Welcome back once again to Bringing New Ideas to Life, the podcast from Oxentia. Today, we are starting a two-part exploration of accelerators. Head of Entrepreneurship and Managing Consultant at Oxentia, Fabio Bianchi, is joined by three special guests to discuss what the role of accelerators is in different ecosystems, whether there are common formats for successful accelerator programs, and how can programs be tailored to deliver the best value for their participants. We hope you enjoy listening. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Welcome to our guests. We will start off with a quick round of introductions. We have three guests from three very different ecosystems and approaching the whole area of accelerators and startup support, startup and scale-up support in very different ways. So hopefully it's going to be an interesting discussion. Starting with the one closest to us geographically, if I can just ask Christina, a senior program manager at the Royal Academy of Engineering and lead for the Shot Scale-Up Accelerator. Welcome, Christina. Thank you for joining us. Would you like to introduce yourself and say a few words around what you're doing in your Accelerator program? Hi, and thank you very much for having me on the podcast, Fadia. I lead Royal Academy of Engineering Acceleration Program for leaders of UK-based scale-ups and have previously supported early-stage startups from across 16 emerging economies around the world. Excellent. Thank you, Christina. Welcome. I believe the next closest person geographically to us is Bartosz Inova from FMP Ventures. Bartosz is an investment manager there. Bartosz, welcome. Thanks, Fabio. Thanks for, for the invite and for having me on the podcast. Yeah, it's it's been a little north of six years now that I'm uh, managing investments by FNP Ventures, which is actually a micro fund of funds. We are not a VC per se. We invest in VCs in a limited partner capacity. And and yeah, it's, since then, you know, north of 90 companies in six portfolios, very initially agnostic, but at this stage, very deep tech focused and, and loving the vibe when it comes to Central Eastern Europe and the Baltics. So, you know, FNP is the foundation for Polish science. It's our cornerstone investor in FNP Ventures. So we're kind of linked to them, but FNP is a non, non-government, non-profit academic support institution. So the academic part steps back in, right, with, with, with you. Excellent. Uh, thank you, Bartosz. And finally, last but not least, by no means, we have uh, Oliver uh, Radsep, who is uh, the head of business development for Accelerate Estonia. Welcome, Oliver. Hello, hello, everybody. Very happy to be here. Uh, yeah, like uh, like Fabio mentioned, uh, Accelerate Estonia. We we are a governmental uh, innovation lab, and and what that means is, well, even though we are a a public sector organization, we work with uh, private sector companies uh, to help bring their innovative solutions to market. So usually these these companies. They need something from the um, public sector, whether it's uh, whether they have some uh, regulatory uh, barriers, they they need to change some law, for example, to bring their innovations to market, and we help them with that to tackle those regulatory barriers and and help these innovative products and and services to market. Excellent. Uh, welcome, Oliver. And I'll quickly introduce myself. I'm Fabio Bianchi. I am the head of entrepreneurship here at Oxentia. And we work across the world in building capacity for uh, early stage ventures. 
within universities and outside of universities through capacity building programs and accelerator programs. And we have the pleasure and the privilege to collaborate with all three of the people on, on, on this podcast uh, in different ways and different forms. I've had the pleasure of working with Christina for a number of years uh, on, on, on delivering some of the work that the Royal Academy of Engineering does in supporting entrepreneurship and innovators across the world. With Oliver, we have recently been sort of exploring collaborations between Accentia and, and Accelerate Estonia as a way of, of expanding their unique offering to the UK and watch the space for some exciting announcements. And similarly, watch the space for some announcements to do with Poland, where for a couple of years now, we've been building a relationship and uh, building a way of building the ecosystem together with Bartosz and his colleagues at FNP. I, I wanted to sort of start us off with uh, sort of what we see in our respective roles, you know, leading very different programs, interacting with startups and, and, and innovation in very different ways, like kind of what we see the, the, the real purpose of accelerator programs within an ecosystem. If we look at, at, at some statistics, you know, here in the UK, we, we currently have sort of close to 200 accelerator programs uh, that are operating. Uh, if you look at statistics, there's an increase in attendance of startups attending accelerator programs of roughly 75% year on year, which kind of uh, leads to the question of, of, of what is the role of these programs and, and are there too many accelerator programs in the world? Uh, so, you know, this is, a, this is the UK. Obviously, Estonia and Poland are very different ecosystems uh, and, and, and probably at, at, at different stages and with different priorities in, in the way the ecosystem is developing and in the way we support startups. But I, I'd like to sort of go around the room and, and sort of ask for thoughts around, around this. So w w what do you see in your experience and in the work you're doing as really the, 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 the role that an accelerator program should be fulfilling within an ecosystem uh, today? Christina, shall we start off with you? Yes, so I think building an innovative and tech startup business is inherently risky and accelerators have an important role in the ecosystem in de-risking growth of innovative and deep tech businesses. As we know, some of them require maybe five to ten years or more to reach profitability. And so I think that accelerators can help with that. I also agree with a report you shared earlier, Gali report, that an important benefit of accelerators is the signaling effect it has to the investor community, investment community. Which of which startups are worth investing into, having been pre-screened and upskilled and kind of improved their governance structures through the accelerator programs. Also, you can't underestimate the role of the accelerators in boosting the confidence of the funders and just helping them tackle various, you know, administrative challenges they have in growing the business. And finally, they also have a role in, in developing the innovation ecosystem itself, either by linking different players, supporting different providers, providing training to mentors or providing valuable insight and publishing research into the state of different elements of the ecosystem. So, for instance, we at the Academy, Royal Academy of Engineering have been publishing our spotlights on spin-outs since 2021, uh, and are working currently on a report on the state of deep tech in the UK. So all of that and, and many other activities to develop the, the innovation ecosystem. Mm. Thank you, Christina. So, so, so sort of having accelerators as, as, as a way of de-risking uh, uh, the provision of capital for, for startups, but also building founder confidence and then generally building uh, the, the technical capability of the ecosystem. 
Um, I'll, I'll go to Oliver now because uh, your program and your, your accelerator uh, in, uh, at Accelerate Estonia has a very, very specific uh, aim, which is that of, of helping overcome regulatory hurdles by allowing people to, to enter the country's market uh, in a facilitated way. So obviously you have a very specific remit within this, but do, do, do you agree with Christina's view on, on what the role in more in general of accelerators and, and where are you trying to position your accelerator program, you know, regionally, but also probably globally? within the ecosystem yeah well first of all yeah absolutely absolutely agree with christina and, and if i just may add uh, and another sort of the value that i see in the accelerators is basically the, the connections that you make there whether it's uh, with investors whether it's with potential cooperation partners sales etc so yeah goes back to the goes back to the old proverb if you if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far go together so so yeah I, I see a lot of a lot of value here in, in building building those connections um, but then uh, yeah uh, coming back to to accelerate Estonia and what uh, what we do and uh, how we can help is 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 basically we can more or less offer a whole country as an accelerator or a, or a test bed, so to say. So yes, how we can we can help companies is is to overcome different legal obstacles. But that what what that means in in essence is is basically we we invite companies to to come and test their products and services in Estonia and then overcome those those legal barriers here in Estonia and so basically use a whole country. As a test bed and the launch pad, and once the 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 business case or the idea or the the product or the service is, is validated here on a, on a country level, it's much easier to scale into into other geographies uh, after that. Excellent, thank you, Oliver. And, and and moving to you, Bart. Obviously, you 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 see this on the other side to some extent you see this as someone providing that capital and making that investment uh, tell us a little bit about the, the the landscape for accelerator programs in in, in poland or, or in in sort of central eastern europe uh, and how you as an investor feel accelerator programs work to de-risk the the type of investments you want to make yeah i mean thanks fabio this is first of all guys i, I love the fact that you know i have a, a google keep uh, notepad open and you know, bullet points. And we, we mentioned, well, Christina mentioned de-risking. Oliver is mentioning the test platform. Very good, you know? So we're definitely in sync. But the way we, the way I approach accelerators is twofold. They're extremely vital. They're super heterogeneous. And they're at a later stage for a startup. This is not a venture builder. This is not a venture studio. This is not an incubator, okay? They're, they're, this is a, a platform where the team, the venture actually cho chooses that it can be catalytic for their growth or for, for their expansion or for their uh, dominance of a certain market. And and we have very few of those actually in, that do this in Poland when it comes to acceleration. So... So yeah, I mean, just looking looking at the pipeline, you know, 97 companies. I think three of them were there was an intent to invest during a demo day or a pitch day at the end of an accelerator or one of the accelerators. But that doesn't mean that you know accelerators are are, not, are this you know platform or this plate to to provide very good opportunities to invest. They definitely are, but not directly, I think. 
and this is this is the case. We we definitely want to look at alignment within the team in an accelerator. Is how mission critical are the the products, the applications that are, that a given venture is doing, and was their creative destruction performed during the acceleration process? In other words, was the team brave enough to pivot, to enter a new regulatory hurdle, as Oliver says, and you know, and deal with it, and at the same time have the other markets. So it's more of a, a, a test platform for the integrity of the team. And, you know, by means you see the coachability effect of how these teams deal with, with that effect. Uh, in essence, the, the, the issue of accelerators is, the problem with accelerators in my case is way broader because if you ask me about Central Eastern Europe, they're mostly hybrid or, or government funded, which is, which is not really beneficial for the ecosystem. I believe the pay-to-play clause where accelerators take a chunk of uh, the venture is the only way forward. I, nothing is free in life, and 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 there should be no. We're, we're not talking about incubation. We're not talking about venture building. We're talking about a stage where there's 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 a product, there's potential revenue, there's you know there are serious decisions to be made of the directions of uh, a venture going, and and you know. And and I believe that you know it should carry a certain certain cost to that. Again, you know, seals of excellence, right? The last thing that I want to mention. I mean, it's it's super beneficial if you are a, a VC fund that can invest pre-seed and then suddenly your venture goes into Y Combinator, wins Y, y Combinator, and within a matter of five days exactly raises one of the largest seed rounds known in Poland, right? through US-based capital. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But these are other issues, right? Seals of excellence should be there. I, I think there should there is a there is a limited number of accelerators that will be benchmarked always. But they're not universal. And I think what Europe is really dominant and very good at in general, not talking about Poland here, is specificity of accelerators. That accelerators cannot address the global, you know, the global venture market. They should be specialized, in my in my perception. And the VCs that accompany that are specialized in those markets as well. So we're we're getting to a point where we're becoming, you know, I don't like proverbs. I like chemistry, hardcore chemistry, catalysis, you know, enzymes and all that. There is no universal enzyme for reactions, right? Specific reactions require specific catalysts, or if they're biological, they specific enzymes. But you know that that intertwined mix between enzyme, catalyst, and reaction drives drives our whole biology forward. And and yeah, I'm gonna you know finish with that. <laughs> if I can add, but I I agree with you in terms of specialization of accelerators, and probably worth mentioning that short scale up accelerator that I run focuses on the founders of deep tech and engineering companies specifically. So it's quite sector specific and yeah our definition of engineering includes a variety of hardware medtech agritech uh, all the way to quantum but i i still see as a as a very specialized accelerator program and that's what i see in the uk market and just to answer fabio's start in the beginning some reports show there are over 300 accelerator programs in the uk so yeah within that ecosystem it does require specialization at the same time, I should say that we are co-funded, we are funded by the British government, by the Department for Science, Innovation and Technology, and also by private donors. So I do see a role of government funding in specific accelerator programs, because obviously the government wants to invest in strategic 
industries and innovations and see growth in those areas. Now, again, we're entering, I think, I love this about our discussion and our chat today, is we're entering this sphere that, you know, this is a very heterogeneous group. And I truly believe there's there's place for a mix of hybrid government funding, which is extremely beneficial. I believe in the by founders for founders model, where successful founders go back, looking at you, Oliver, here, go back to the ecosystem and set up phenomenal mafia style accelerators where you have, you know, startup WiseGuards is brilliant brilliant because of the fact that these people underwent that ma massive you know track to epic success and now they're sharing their rolodex their mo business model their approaches to 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 other teams the question is you know how outdated they are or how in date they are that's that's you know for for ventures to decide but you have a place for that and you have a place for strategic government backed programs which which have a kind of a different mission it's very critical for the startups, for the scale-ups, whatever you call them now in the in the EU and Britain, is for them to choose wisely, right? And for them to benefit from that program at which stage? I mean, you have you have early accelerators, you have Endeavor, you have I don't know Silicon Catalyst, you have huge accelerators that are very later stage in the development of the company, that focus predominantly on you know global expansions. And we're all about to talk about all those. So, with with Dali, I, I love the uh, well, Dali, I, I love the report. It's it's well put. Methodology, not so much. But the the problem is when it comes to the the probe, the N, and the Yamano Ventures. If you look if you look at the accelerators, there's none from Y, none from Plug and Play, none from TechStars, none from A16Z Starter. So none, you know, all these again seals of excellence because we have to mention that that these. These institutions really are, you know, a catapult or a driving force to, to the value of these companies, right? But apart from that, yeah, it's it's good to talk about a, a heterogeneous group because we're all right at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad Bart that you that you brought up Estonia again because well, like Christina let mentioned that you have over 300 accelerators in the UA or UK. I guess you can call. Estonia, like a one big accelerator, because we were such a small country, only 1.3 million people, which means that basically everybody knows everybody. So when, when, whether you go into an accelerator or you approach a, a VC fund, the whole startup community in Estonia is so tightly knit. Everybody knows everybody, everybody supports and helps everybody else. So that's, that's kind of one of the cool, cool things about Estonia. Basically, the whole country is more or less run like a startup, being very agile, very digital. So, yeah, I guess in, in that sense, you can consider Estonia like a, like a big accelerator. Excellent. Very interesting. I, I just wanted to pick on, on, on what Oliver actually mentioned earlier around the, sort of the idea of going fast but alone versus going far but as a group or, or together at least, which, which kind of brings me on to a question which is around the format of how we, 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 we accelerate companies and how we, we, we give value through accelerator programs. I would say that, you know, traditionally, probably at the start or even some of the, the bigger names that, that, 
that Bartosz mentioned. I was wondering who would mention my combinator first, and and my my bets were on Bartosz. That uh, sort of a more traditional model is 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 taking a cohort of, of of startups and accelerating them and using that cohort effect to build that network. Uh, however, I would say that in, in in our experience, at least, we are seeing possibly a bit of a shift uh, and and more emphasis being put on that tailored support and that sort of one-to-one support, which is very much tailored to the individual need of the startup. You know, Oliver, to Accelerate Estonia, you work very closely on individual needs of, 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 of startups. Uh, Christina, in your program, uh, you probably have a mix of, of the two. You have some elements which are delivered uh, as a cohort, but also sort of mentoring and, and coaching, which is done individually. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what, what, what you think makes uh, a, a good format. Obviously, the aims and objectives of, of an accelerator may be different depending on where you you, you come from, uh, which angle you come you come at it. Uh, but 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 do we think that the sole cohort element outside of the network element is beneficial, or 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 is it more beneficial when we take ventures and we really look at their individual needs and try delivering this as a as a, as a very tailored uh, type of intervention? Christina, do you start. want to? Yeah, yeah. please. I. I... We've been constantly involving our acceleration program. We've been running it since 2017, making changes every year. And our approach was to try and find a balance between cohort-based activities and individual support to enable that kind of cohort creation, trust, and peer learning. Um, so examples of cohort-based activities that we run are kind of informal dinners, workshops, a body system, small group sessions, and channels for informal communication. And what we found is that this approach has been hugely valuable to our participants, and we've been receiving great feedback. And there are a few factors behind kind of our approach and a few things I consider when when iterating program design and activities. And one of them is that our founders and participants have attended um, accelerators and incubators before at earlier stages. Uh, They already know quite a bit about venture building and commercialization. Second is their ages range from early 30s to 50s. So they bring a wealth of life experience and commercial experience with them into the program. So you can't underestimate how impactful it is to learn from your peer who you identify with and who've been through you know, the good and bad and the ugly and can, can share some of those lessons. It's, it's hugely valuable. And like, that's what we hear from our participants at the end of the day. They say they initially applied for our uh, grant for leadership training, but what they took from the program the most was from peer learning and cohort interaction. So we're trying to find the balance and keep both elements in the program. Yeah, and then if, if I may add, uh, Christina, you already brought up the let's say the, the age and and stage element. So yeah, I, I would I would have to agree that uh, that basically, I think the the if you're very early stage, I think it's very beneficial if you if you're doing it with a, with a cohort. It's basically the stage where you're just learning to walk. But as as you grow, as you mature then yeah I, I see the the benefits of um, of a more a personal right or a tailor made uh, approach out outweighing the the cohort benefits so the, again the stage where you where you're already beginning to run and and hopefully run fast then uh, then yeah i guess a personal trainer should be a very good option here absolutely i mean there's a there's a place in time time for um, a more general approach, you know, showing trends, for example, that, you know, 
you know, if you run, run let's say this is an e-commerce accelerator that, that somebody's running, you know, that what are the stages that AI should be introduced and where and why and, and how soon, et cetera. But at the same time, this this mentor approach or this personal trainer approach that Oliver mentioned, I mean, this is super key. Speaking with people that that actually achieved success, they have their war stories, their failures and their, their successes, and and that you know the that relationship that is between a team and and such a mentor, such a person, uh, you know, influences them dramatically. But at the same time, you know, as a manager of an accelerator, you see how coachable is this team. How open or how flexible are they to to criticism, to addressing certain points which are obviously faulty within 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 a given venture, right? So so it's we're you know we're, it's a fine balance definitely, but I you know again it's an open question of you know for a startup of how many accelerators should it undergo? Should this be you know in, because there was a time in Poland where you know roughly. 15 incubators and 30 plus accelerators were in operation and and I, I think this time will return with with the next wave of, of of eu funding where it was a lifestyle where you could easily surf with your venture and you had enough to maintain the status quo and i don't know focus on the local market for example so, I mean, side note, 90% of these ventures don't exist anymore. But, 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 again, this is this is this is one of the things that you should see that you know accelerators have this this massive positive effect, but they should be ex- extremely sensitive when it comes to picking. I have something written down. When, what are the what are the missions of an accelerator, and the ones that VCs look is is actually due diligence. They look at team recycling. They look at how founders come back to an accelerator with a different team. What's the scope? You know, things that with time you see what what operators are there that are riding the wave of I'm, I'm going to say this government funding uh, or or structural funding, and what operators are there that really you know were there and then they you know disappeared to to scale more globally. And the, and the last thing, you know, when it comes to this, the report, something really resonated with me was whether is venture capital for everyone. And this was, you know, when, uh, there was one of the thoughts in the of, you know, of a participant in, in an accelerator program saying that their their model and their their revenue model and their business model basis on, on, on these facts. They don't need massive equity amounts. They can easily break even within a, a steady time frame. And that's good enough for them. This is very important for you to fully comprehend and realize this, that, you know, because some really want to go, you know, I won't say go alone, but go fast and break things. I mean, Spotify did that, right? They broke the system. I don't think they were fully alone, but they really went fast. And it's a question, you know, where's the choice, right? Where are you strategic placing? What is your, what is your market? How do you see yourself in the next 10, 15 years? And, and I think accelerators do provide a platform to ask these questions and look for, for answers, whether it's within cohorts or if it's in an interaction with, you know, a, a very respectable mentor or, you know, uh, a person that really can share share the wealth of knowledge. Just to add to that, in, in kind of 
in support of the one-to-one approaches. We know from the scale-up in the 2023 review, it focuses on the UK market, but we know that 70% of scale-ups would like to have a single point of contact to act as a relationship manager for them. And so that just shows that people want to have that kind of personalized support and help, that personal trainer that Oliver referred to earlier. Yeah, like, I like the analogy of, of, you know, group workouts at the early stage and then personal trainer when, when you want to sort of push the, the performance to the, to, 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 to the very edge. Of... Thank you for listening to part one of our conversation on accelerators. Check back in soon for part two. As ever, if you'd like to submit any questions for us or if you have any feedback on the podcast, then please do contact us at ideaspod at oxentia.com. That's ideaspod, all one word, at oxentia.com. We look forward to seeing you again next time. Bye for now.